0: This is BiblioVile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find.
1: For this episode of BiblioVile, Mick read The Sweet Potato Queens by Jill Connor Brown and Karen Gillespie, and I read World War, In the Balance, An Alternate History of the Second World War by Harry Turtledove.
0: Welcome to BiblioVile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson.
1: And I'm Susan Dickinson.
0: And we are back again with two books for you. We got them from the library. We read them despite our best efforts, and we are here to tell you all about them.
1: I mean, technically, when we went to the library, we got four books because well, we got our or. books all ready for next time because we're trying to get some last episodes in before baby day. That's right.
0: Or B-Day, they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah um so we have the two that we've read so far we'll (laughs) inform you in the other ones it's a little bit of a teaser situation we'll tell you about the other two uh near the end but before we get there we have to tell you all about our sweet potato queens in world war ii just two subjects that are like this susan and listeners may think that i'm putting my fingers together and crossing them uh i'm spreading them as far apart as they will go
1: (laughs) yeah these books i i don't know if I can say this for sure without thinking back through all of the pairs we've done, but these might be the two books that are farthest apart from each other in terms of genre and content and general vibe. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, not even episode
0: number one, but experience number one before we even record a podcast, because uh, I got you choosers of the slain and you mm. got me How to Marry a Duke.
1: Yeah, those are pretty far apart, too. I think this might be a pretty close rival, though. Uh, That's
0: pretty up there. But I, for my part, read The Sweet Potato Queens. And Sue, can you explain what was going through your mind when you picked The Sweet Potato Queens?
1: I was so thrilled when I found this book because looking at it, it seems like it should be absolutely terrible. It's called The Sweet Potato Queens, first of all. It's got a woman in uh, stockings and an emerald green dress with some fake jewelry. And she has a gigantic, like almost the length of her hemline, uh, ribbon, red ribbon that says first big ass novel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she's supposed to be wearing that or not. but
1: And like looking at the inside, it takes place in Jackson, Mississippi, about a group of high school classmates, uh, their daily routine is paced like a shuffle through the local red dirt until the arrival of a red-headed newcomer banishes monotony forever. With her luxurious mane and voluptuous figure, Tammy Myers aspires to join the Silver Spooners who make things happen in their lives. That This should have been terrible. Yeah, when I was reading that in the back, I just
0: had, I just, I did not know what the hell this book was going to be.
1: I didn't either, because none of that really means anything. I understand that it takes place in the South. Yeah. That's about all I got from the weird description. It's uh, called the Sweet Potato Queens. Yeah, and
0: then this lady, Jill Connor Brown, is apparently like a real person that was sort of writing a semi-fictionalized... Sorry for yawning directly into the microphone. That was sort of uh, writing a semi-fictionalized account of her life. Uh, Because the other reason I thought it was going to suck, and there is a spoiler right there, is that there is a parenthetical or a subtitle, I don't know which, uh, on the front that says, stuff we didn't actually do but could have and may yet. And so that's just too many words.
1: There's just so much happening on the cover of this book. Yeah. I thought I had found like a complete slam dunk. I thought this was going to be Meg Cabot level, Mick is going to hate this. Yeah, and from what I picked up on, we are still, after all these years, very careful to not give away too much of our opinions on the books while we're reading. But from what I've picked up on, it wasn't that bad. No, it was good. Uh, Ugh, I want to read. So the, I want
0: to read the acknowledgments real quick because my first note is I do not understand the summary at all. My second note is the acknowledgments. And this had me very worried. First of all, you caps must know that this entire book is completely made up. Not a word of it is true, and none of the characters exist in real life, M-Dash, except for a couple of them. Now, if you've read my all my other parenthetical, totally capital things, TRUE, and parenthetical books, M-Dash, and I certainly hope that you will. This is just too much. I'm like, oh, gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, and so that was my second note was the acknowledgements. And my third note was, actually, it's
1: good. Oh, and you only have half a page of notes, and oh, that's yeah. really disappointing. Not even close. Um, so this is like... How? I don't understand how. This had so much potential. So like, this
0: book does not really have a real plot. It's just sort of like a semi-literary character study into five people's like lives. Like, it, it starts in their sophomore year of high school when they're nobodies, and then that redhead shows up and... Then it tracks them until they're nearly 40, like off and on. And they're like weird sort of meetups and matchups and stuff and how their life changes. And it's actually a book that's like how the people you know and love change after high school and also how they don't. How like people don't change and they're the same person even as they change a whole bunch. And so it's like a really interesting character study of four southern women and one southern man uh, as they navigate like actually doing life.
1: That is not even remotely what I would I have expected this to be. I thought it was going to be like beauty pageant kind of like, you know, that whole, I feel like there's like a, a whole Southern subculture that's really into beauty pageants. That's what I thought we were going for here based on, I don't know, all of the evidence.
0: Yeah. Um, so the sweet potato queen stuff is that they got this one new person, Tammy, and she is apparently just hot and has a lot of red hair that when she gets there in New York to Jackson, Mississippi, um, and then sh- the new girl thinks she's going to get hired or invited to the key club or the, you know, the, the blue bloods sort of thing. And then it turns out she's just being made fun of and she's very hurt. Uh, and so to cheer her up the rejects that our main character is a part of, Uh, along with Mary Beth or something like that, who's a big slut, which is kind of funny. Uh, Then there's Patty, who's a uh, northerner and constantly gets made fun of for being a Yankee. And then our main character, who's kind of nothing. And then there's Gerald, who is a gay man. And that is a major part of his uh, character arc throughout the rest of the book.
1: So it's basically like a group of sort of, they're like on the fringes in their high school society. Yes. yeah.
0: And then they invite Tammy to join and they decide that they're going to make a parade float in their high school parade and they're going to put Tammy Queens on it because they're all going to dress up in bright red hair like her and and like stuff their bras so that they have big boobs like her. And then they mess up the sign so it looks like Yammy Queen and so then they call them the Sweet Potato Queens which is the stupidest part of the whole book because it's like, it's just a silly thing. You don't need to have an origin story.
1: Why would they make a float and call themselves the Tammy Queens. Just to sort of, it's like, it's sort
0: of as if women are dressing up in a drag show and putting on, like, drag caricatures. All they're, right. they're like, which of course women can participate in a drag show, but usually dress as men. But they are dressing up as these sort of drag Archetypes like this big like wig, overdone yeah. personas. Yes. Okay, and so they're they're doing that to basically take away from the hurt that Tammy was feeling, and then they become really good friends, and they make fun of the the popular girl who did the most to hurt Tammy's feelings or whatever. Um, and everybody loves them, so it's the very end of Napoleon Dynamite sort of moment where yeah, uh, it's these like re- rejects that are getting that sort of uh, benefit.
1: So as they grow up, are there like? continued interactions with the popular girls? Like, did Once the popular girls get their comeuppance? Or is it just sort of like, we're all kind of living our lives?
0: Uh, it's mostly they're all living our lives. They, The popular girls do come up because there are very, like, well-written, strong, characterized characters. Not as in that they're strong. Specifically, some of them are quite weak, actually. And, like, they're real-ish people that go through realish stuff. And so, for example, Tammy, for the rest of her life, is constantly fighting to be part of, like the the in-group the society or whatnot Mm -hmm. and and struggles to be satisfied with where she is so as we go through the rest of the world the their lives they meet up and unconnect and meet up and disconnect and some people one of them gets really famous and the other one you know moves away and the only real consistent is that uh all of them are always cheating like everybody who's married is uh cheating on each other and getting divorced oh god so it's kind of a downer but at the same time I don't think it's quite realistic either that out of these five people, like all of them had a marriage where they cheated on each other or whatever. But it, they're not supposed to be perfect because then the book would end and there's no more character growth to be had or whatever. Yeah, I suppose. So then they, they like go through life and it's it's sort of broken up into moments and each one of the moments kind of focuses on a different one of the, the queens. Uh, sometimes uh, Tammy gets the most of it uh, because the first one is her... And our main character living together after high school, uh, neither one of which made it into college. And then uh, uh, basically our main character works at a weight loss clinic for like 15 years because that's just she was a secretary and then got slowly but surely like promoted. Not to where she has any authority, but it's just like you've been working here for long enough. I'm just going to make you the manager now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So pretty realistic portrayal of like post high school employment in many ways. Um, And then Tammy is uh, like a dental hygienist or something like that, except without a degree, must be like a receptionist. And she's sleeping with the dentist. And so the other two, the guy went to San Francisco to Berkeley. Uh, Mary Beth went to New York to be an actress. And then the Minnesotan went somewhere else. So they split up. And it's kind of about them coming back uh, because our main character is going to marry a guy, but basically because like that's what you're supposed to do, she doesn't actually like him or whatever. And so it's kind of about her realizing that she doesn't actually want to marry this guy. It's just sort of, oh wait, I just thought I was supposed inertia. to inertia yeah yeah and then uh, Tammy sort of getting dumped by the the dentist that she had been promised that she'd be like a real wife now because it's a rich doctor type mm-hmm. thing. So that's her character and then. On and on and on. And then uh, Gerald, the only complaint I had is, it's very good in that people have been fucking. Like, it talks about them fucking. And the, but at the same time, it is still like the 60s and early 70s. And so, like, our main character isn't orgasming at all, but doesn't know what to do about it and doesn't want to talk about, like, does this happen to you guys? Like, I've been I've been told I'm supposed to look for a big wiener, and he's got a big one, but, like, nothing's happening. But she's <laughs> she's a little bit too, like, shut down. Like, they're not married yet, so th- but they're still having sex, but they don't live together. Um, and so she's not asking about like, how do I tell him because she doesn't know if everybody else is, yeah. you know, so that's kind of uh, good. But at the same time there, are, and this is probably for the better, strictly speaking. Um, but there is a little bit of revisionism. This takes place in Jackson, Mississippi in the mid sixties to, uh, our latest one is in the early eighties. That
1: really surprised me when you said that, I guess, especially when you mentioned that one of the five main characters is a gay man, yeah. I thought this was more like modern yeah how did they handle like Um, writing about that specific thing in the 60s i feel like is extremely different than writing about that now
0: it took it aired on the side of modern views and everything like that so they all love him and knew he's been gay this entire time and he's written in a way that is kind of clear that he's like hanging out with women because he's not comfortable with you know the guys group or whatnot yeah um but he's not, like, flamboyant and he doesn't have That's a lip. He's good. He's, you know, not, he's, not, a, he's yeah. not a caricature. He's not a caricature, yeah. exactly. Um, and so then when he uh, comes out, he actually doesn't come out all at once. They they are talking about, like, oh, he's he's bringing a special someone, so they're assuming he's finally come out in San Francisco and mm-hmm. Berkeley where he's a, pres- or a professor or whatever. And then he walks in with a uh, tall black woman with giant feet and hands and stuff and they're like oh okay and i'm like okay you were already a little bit too cool with him coming like maybe i'll give you a pass because it's like that's your friend you've known this entire time sure you're ahead of the curve it's the 70s There was like a, a paragraph and a half where one character is like i hope i don't have to watch him make out with his boyfriend or something yeah and the other ones are like no that's you know he he gets to kiss a significant other and the character immediately is like, I don't even know what I was thinking, uh, you know. Yeah. And so, okay, they've known him their entire lives, but then it's like, you know, it's gr- the 60s, it's the group group 70s. Southern
1: women in the 70s probably would have had some stronger reactions to an interracial couple. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That, not not that, that
1: that's good. Obviously, oh, it's no. not good. But like, historically you said speaking.
0: You chose to set your book back then. Like, yeah, I, I suppose it's probably for the better to err on the side of approval, Uh, but, and then it turns out that it is, it's pretty clearly like something is, is up with this relationship. And so I thought it was going to be a a transgender woman, but then it's just a guy in drag. Like he put on the, the, the character of this girlfriend to make everything easier about meeting his friends. And then it's a, it's a bit of a comedy moment and it's a more of a Rob Schneider comedy than any other where she walks into the bathroom and, uh, what she has been introduced to as sh- who she has been introduced to as Sheila is is standing and peeing in the the toilet, and she sees his dick, and so then it's like oh you know you caught us, and they're like why you didn't have to do this we love you anyway, and so it's like a little bit Everyone's swearing too much too like people been fucking and people mm-hmm. might have said things like blowjobs, but not all the time in the sixties where we're more or less prim and proper people. It's
1: almost like they took sort of modern.
0: Yeah, and then put it in thought a
1: patterns and catalog. language yeah. and that kind of thing, and then like set it back in. Yeah,
0: so that wasn't yeah. that wasn't the best. Dressed
1: but it in a certain type of clothing.
0: Yeah, it was. It was uh, pretty good. Like you got to really know the characters well. There were only about six major ones, uh, and they made a lot of mistakes. Our main character makes mistakes that are obvious to the person reading, but she explains them through. And uh, they love each other for all their mistakes, and they save each other when something goes wrong. Uh, it actually, I think, really handled. Uh, the AIDS crisis well okay. because our, that the black man who is introduced as Sheila uh, dies of AIDS and so when he comes ho- or the Gerald comes back for one of the, the moments uh, he's saying like we're no longer together I moved out and stuff and doesn't want to talk about it and so they assume he must have like broken his heart or something and yeah. then eventually he's like he's dead because he has AIDS and now I might have it like yeah. I don't, we don't know anything about what this actually is and yeah. so f- then for the next two time skips uh gerald is very militant like he's trying to start a lot of aids rights groups and and support groups and stuff yeah uh which is pretty great uh they wag their fingers a little bit because he's constantly being too militant like he constantly wants some sort of uh he starts with the pink panthers which i thought was pretty funny uh and also he everything he comes up with he tries to make into an anagram so he has like uh gay activist youth and so it, it comes together as gay or gay, whatever yeah know. um and, but the it, it comes out that he was uh, that militant because william actually caught his boyfriend william actually caught got aids from a blood transfusion because of an, uh, a car accident where oh. gerald was driving yeah and so it's like his personal guilt about causing it
1: yeah is driving that so it's like a it's a sort of
0: really good way of representing sort of survivor's guilt and this yeah. sort of overhanging trauma and that he had. the incredibly
1: has. complicated moment that that was. Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah, like, I that time
1: period was, yeah. And
0: so it actually specifically mentions really quick that, like, once he actually learned what how AIDS is passed from person to person, like, he was very standoffish with the girls because he did not understand how AIDS transferred between yeah. people. Which and is also very is realistic for very the Very realistic, like, yeah. There were
1: so many unknowns. And yeah. so then he
0: learns more about it. And in the, in the final time skip, he's uh, putting on, he always kind of rolls his eyes about the guys in his group because they're just a bunch of queens who want to, like, have a big ball and a big drag show all the time. Like, everything, their answer is drag show, and I want to actually make change and stuff. And then by the end of it, he realizes, like, we're gonna put on a drag show and donate the money, the incoming yeah. money to this this thing. And and so he realizes there's more than one way to make change and stuff. Yeah. And so Okay. And so that's just like one example of a character who goes through this stuff. Tammy uh, is is suckered into marrying. Technically, yes, an English noble, but like a landless, decrepit, uh, like drinker so, like, gets
1: what she had always wanted in a way but it yeah. winds out winds up not being so what she, she was thought. working yeah she yeah.
0: works she ends up working as a maid in a hotel and then they go out to see her to like surprise her and they meet in the hotel with her in the out, the outfit and like she is aghast and, and is so embarrassed except she recognizes that when the friend first turned around the main character first turns around her initial reaction was of joy and not like shock and disgust yeah and so that kind of like saves her and so it's a—it's all really quality, good character study. There is no real single plot. Like, most of the problems, except for the, the uh, AIDS crisis, which, I mean, admittedly did yeah. not get solved in one time skip in real life either. Nope. Most of our characters' uh, problems get solved in that time skip, and then more of them happen in between, and then get solved, you know, whatever. But, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's no real plot. It's just a bunch of really well-written characters that love each other in a really uh, good way. Uh, If you want a book that I think writes women pretty well, except for their fucking and uh, sort of the winks about man in the boat and uh, for clitoris and stuff like that. You know, that part's not the best. It's a little too cutesy, but it's still like a supportive friend group that gets in fights.
1: This is really disappointing. I know, I'm sorry. Um, I do have to ask, though. The big red ribbon on the front says first big ass novel. It, it, this doesn't really seem like something there would be a sequel to.
0: Nope. I don't know. You, I, I still don't know what the hell most of this book is talking about on the cover and the the dust jacket. and stuff. This
1: is the kind of stuff where sometimes I wonder, like,
0: did, did, did they ask get her? it wrong? Yeah. Like,
1: did they just did they not consult the author on the jacket cover or any know. of it?
0: You got me. Your guess is as good as mine. Did
1: they put the cover on the wrong book?
0: <laughs> nah, I mentioned sweet potatoes a whole bunch. So yeah, no, no. Um, At the end of the book, pretty hilariously, we've talked about this in, in person, too, so off mic, uh, about if I had to start a restaurant, I would start a restaurant that was basically, you can make this at home, but I can make it taste better than you can. Mm-hmm. And so it's like nothing fancy. It's just like, hey, I can do this better than you can type stuff. And their idea for a restaurant after uh, Mary Beth's uh, father dies which uh, helps her to resolve a lot of distance because she starts going through stuff and all this sort of stuff. Uh, they comment on about Southern cooking, especially they just straight up and down called funeral cooking. Yeah. And so they, they decide that they are going to, and they don't in the book, but they open a uh, funeral food. Uh, I want to see what they called it. Cause it was a, it was pretty funny, the name of the, the restaurant. Uh, the Rest in Peace or something like that. Oh, jeez. Um, and so they're going to start a restaurant that serves nothing but funeral food.
1: <laughs> All right, that's actually funny. And it
0: ends with a recipe book for funeral food.
1: This is so disappointing yeah. that that was supposed to be a bibliophile slam dunk. I'm losing my touch.
0: Nah. You've gotten me a couple good times in the recent uh. history. Well, All right, tell me about if the Nazis weren't actually the bad guys.
1: Okay, so this is... not mm, Okay, it's not that the Nazis aren't actually the bad guys. It's that someone else is worse, and the thing that's worse is aliens.
0: Classic.
1: The actual, like, fundamentals of writing in this book are not terrible like it is readable there I do not have like paragraphs that I'm going to read to demonstrate how terrible the writing style is it's just the story is just batshit
0: nice perfect Um, Dickinson wins again oh my
1: god so first of all it is the kind of book where we get to follow about a dozen different plot lines and settings. And each of these settings has multiple different characters. There's just an awful lot to keep track of. We jump around quite a bit. There's probably a dozen storylines that we're following here. Um, And so that gets a little bit complicated. Several of those storylines fracture. And so we start off by following a baseball team in central Illinois. Um, But then... The some of them sticks. get picked up by the aliens, and some of them wind up in the army. And so, like, even that story splinters. Splits and, the party. Yeah, exactly. And so we wind up by the end having probably 16, maybe 17 different storylines that uh, we're following.
0: Much like my big tweet. Too many characters.
1: Too many characters. Um. So we start out early in World War II, and at the very beginning, everything is fairly accurate in terms of like what's happening in the world. Um, we focus most of our attention as I would say history does <laughs> on, um, Europe, like the Nazis. We have a couple of storylines of, uh, there's a, what, what a, year a, is it? What is curling happening? Is it like, Oh, it's like 19 D day third. Yeah. 1939.
0: So the war had just started. Yes.
1: Very beginning of the war. Oh, um, so France is
0: still an independent country.
1: Ooh, maybe it was a little bit later because France just it was just occupied. So would that have been 41? That would have been, yeah. No, it would have been 40. 40, okay. So 1940. Um, some of some our main are. characters include, uh, there is a man, a Jewish man who's living in a Jewish ghetto in Warsaw. Uh, yeah, Yikes. Rough. And then there is, let's see, who else do we have? Um, a group of Germans that are invading Russia and the Russians that so are it's being invaded. Two. And <laughs> um, <laughs> we have <laughs> a <laughs> Russian, female Russian pilot who is basically a spy. We've got some stuff going on um, in Can the I Pacific.
0: Well, I hope so. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And you might not know the answer to this. Why every single time, if there's representations of multiple countries in World War Two, do they always pick the Soviets to have a lady? And she's always some sort of spy.
1: Because I, I think there's like a... I don't know, I think whatever that is was what resulted in um, Scarlett Johansson's character in Black the Marvel Widow. Universe. Yeah, it's like it, there's something sexy about a female Russian spy, I guess. Well, yeah,
0: I don't, don't think it, it started with Black Widow.
1: No, it didn't. I, I said that it resulted in Black Widow.
0: I suppose. And so the Soviet Union was one of the rare countries that allowed women to fight on the front lines and violent tanks and battle and planes. And stuff.
1: One of our other storylines is a physicist from... Uh, Sweden, Norway, and he is at the University of Chicago working on the bomb.
0: Ah, I thought you were gonna say like a new economics program to really just take it to those poor people. Uh, Knowing the University of Chicago, that was, that was <laughs> a big chance.
1: Yeah, no, blowing people up instead. Um, but very quickly, the two things the University of Chicago good at, <laughs> you know it, baby. Uh, very quickly. Things take a turn from what we, you know, what we are familiar with in the story of World War II because the Earth is invaded by aliens that look like lizards. Classic. And not going
0: to not rewrite, not reinvent the wheel here.
1: They are going to try to take over Earth because they think it is similar enough to their home planet that they should be able to adapt to it. They think that Earth is going to be really easy to take over because they had sent probes that um, like basically took snapshots and and figured out what was going on on Earth. And by the time the probes got back, they were like, oh, if this is what's happening on Earth, they're going to be really easy to take over because it was like cavemen in loincloths and they had just discovered fire Um, (laughs) because time works very differently for these aliens and their technological progress has been a lot slower so like well it's going to take them millennia to get to like you know, any type of usable weapon. Yeah. So you're saying that
0: the human race is on, let's call it just regular time. Yeah. And then the alien race is on Lord of the Rings time. Exactly. Or like tens of thousands of years later, they're like, I don't know, a bigger catapult?
1: Yep. Nice. 100%. That is exactly true. Um, That part is actually pretty funny and sets yeah. up like the main conflict. They are constantly astounded by like even within the course of this war, like how much the humans are progressing technologically. Um, so that part is actually like kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a they, little wrinkle. They land and they're like, what the hell? Like they have radar. They can use like radio. Mm-hmm. They have way more advanced weapons. They're researching nuclear weapons. Like none of this was supposed to happen. They just discovered fire. Yeah like
0: that's a pretty neat little wrinkle
1: yeah so that part that part was pretty interesting again this book isn't necessarily bad it's just insane Yeah. yeah um they so like the i mean most of the book is just going back and forth the aliens take over a bunch of stuff they capture a lot of people they actually raise berlin they bomb berlin to the ground oh so they're comrades um, and then the humans have some advances. They're able to take out some ships. They blow up Brandy a big... Randy Quaid
0: flies into the laser. Yeah,
1: exactly. Germans blow up a lizard ship that's full of weapons. Um, and in retaliation, that's when the lizards basically raise Berlin to hey, the ground. Taste of your own medicine, you fucking Nazis. <laughs> um, of course, as there are with any bibliophile book that involves aliens, we do sex experiments. Uh, they, Susan. Sex experiments. I even you. wrote it down as sex experiments in my notes. Um, there are two characters that we follow. One is a Chinese woman named Luhan, and one is an American oh, baseball player named uh, Bobby Fiore. <laughs> they don't speak each other's language, but they've both been captured by the aliens, and the aliens only mate like once a year in very specific times of year and they're fascinated by the fact that like humans can do it whenever and so they like watch Bobby Fury and Luhan together um, and then eventually she gets pregnant and it's a whole thing
0: so how did they did the aliens raise one like skeletal bony scaly finger and then one skeletal, bony, scaly uh, hand and just like stick their ing- index finger through the circle and be like, huh?
1: Huh? No. So they they initially captured like a whole bunch of people and had them like in a camp. And some of the people in the big group were having sex with each other and they saw it and they were like, what is like, what is happening? And we're just wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it like it is kind of interesting to see like eventually they all start to learn little pieces of each other's language they can communicate but the aliens the humans or the aliens everybody nice. uh, and the aliens are doing sex experiments on humans so, so wait, that's a whole at plot one point
0: point, a human speaks the alien language yeah what's it sound like
1: uh, a lot of hissing it's very guttural ah so and instead of a laugh like their version of laughing is just to open their mouths. So there's a lot of times, like, the aliens are just walking around with their mouths wide open, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. It's pretty good. Um, maybe we should trade books. Maybe we should trade books. No, there was some interesting stuff that it's just, a lot of it is just insane. Um, One of the interesting things is the reaction of oppressed groups of people to the aliens. Like, the the Jewish folks that are in the ghetto in Warsaw, they're like, the aliens can't be any worse than the Nazis. Like, we were dying anyway. Let's take, like, let's take a risk and side with the aliens at first. And then they realized that, like, that was not going to be any better. Yeah. And so they then, like, turned on the aliens and other things happened from there. But it's just, like, they're... Seems they're, like a
0: commentary on the Soviets, if you ask me.
1: So they're, they're, they're like conversations with each other about like what do we do and who do we side with and is there any possibility that like our group of people is going to make make it out of any of this alive like is there a right choice or are we gonna die either way I think that's
0: a pretty fair interesting absolutely
1: no I, I think it's fair um they talked about like uh why should we do anything for the Nazis they murder us for no better reason than that we're Jews this makes them better than the lizards who would murder us for no better reason than that we're people. Um, remember Berlin, in an instant as much suffering as the Germans took three years to give us. They deserve it. God made the Germans as a scourge for us, and God made made the lizards as a scourge for the Germans. So, like, these conversations... Like,
0: uh-huh. The classic, bring in the gorillas to kill the lizards. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Simpsons
1: episode. Oh, okay. We'll get there. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I assume
0: the the gorillas were free to death.
1: Um... So speaking of freezing to death, uh, so there's just a lot of, I don't know, there like there's just a lot of, um, cool
0: interesting. Stuff.
1: There's a lot of interesting interactions between groups of people and like how they're handling this this insane thing that's happening that aliens have invaded their planet in the middle of World War II. Um, okay, there was another thing that I was going, assumingly freezing to
0: death. You you teased me on that one.
1: I'll get. There, don't worry.
0: I'm just gonna chill over here and wait.
1: Um, so we also get to see some parts where the aliens are talking to each other about their plans to conquer Earth. Uh, on the hologram, portions of the planet's land area changed color from their natural greens and browns to a bright golden hue. The southern half of the smaller continental mass, so I'm assuming that is South America. Uh, much of the southwestern part of the main continental mass, which I assume to be Mahali. the continent of Africa. Oh. Um, the natives in these areas while not as primitive as previously available data led us to believe have been unable to offer resistance much above the nuisance level.
0: The global South. Uh-huh. Ah.
1: Um, much of this territory strikes me as being that on this planet least worth having. Like, Oof. So it's, it like, they don't do a good job of, you know, you're, talking about brown people.
0: You're telling me. That an alternate history set during World War II mm-hmm. is a little Eurocentric. Uh huh. I don't believe it. It's crazy. Uh, just, just you wait. If if these countries were advanced, they would have gotten involved in this terrible, awful war.
1: Exactly. By
0: staying out of it, that only proves how weak they, they didn't are. know
1: any better. Yeah. Um. The Italian side with the lizards at first, and then wind up <laughs> flipping. Uh, Mamma mama mia. Well, at least he gets at
0: least he gets the Italians in World War II correctly. Do you think the the aliens were like, yes. Oh god, no.
1: I mean basically, they were like really excited about Mussolini at first and they were like, this hasn't really been useful for us. Just like the Italians. <laughs> um
0: They took one look at the Italian tanks and were like, oh no, they are as primitive as we
1: thought. They just, like, they barely ever, like, they don't spend any time on the Italians. They're, like, the yeah. Italians sided with the lizards, and then they didn't, and it was a mistake. Like, that's all. Whereas, like, when we talk about the the main group of Jewish people that we see is the, the ones in the ghetto in Warsaw, um, but, like... They initially side with the lizards. Then the lizards destroy Washington, D.C. Aww. Um, The Jews in Poland, like, regret siding with them, and they start planning sabotage against the lizards. Like, that story gets nuanced. It gets to be complicated. It gets to be interesting. And they're like, yeah, the Italians were kind of a mistake. Well. (laughs)
0: Listen, you, you would not believe how many historical uh, in jokes I've had to hold back during this thing. Yeah. But the fact that the Italians immediately side with the lizards and the lizards regret uh, <laughs> regret it, the lizards regret it, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Someone should hang these lizards upside down.
1: Then we get some interesting parts in the middle where, like, there are. Jewish soldiers and Nazi soldiers that are working together, and they're obviously, like, not happy about it, especially the Jewish soldiers. Yeah, and their Denzel Washington is there to coach them through it. (laughs) But they wind up, like, they learn to respect each other's skill, and they're, like, having to learn to trust each other, and so it's very painful, it's not easy, but they're, like... Starting to find ways to come together against this different enemy. Um, and it's it it definitely doesn't like wash away all of the other things and be like, oh, we're friends now and we're on the same side. Like it it lets it be very complicated, but there's a very grudging respect of like, well, I'm glad you're on my side against the aliens, I guess. Um, and then there's also like, you know, all these different cultural clashes. So like Lujan and Bobby Fury start to fall in love. Like they're, Learning each other's languages or spending all this time together, they start to fall for each other. Uh One thing... Well, then it was all worth it. That I thought was really... Well, no, and it doesn't make it seem like it was all worth oh, it. Oh, no, I was making a
0: joke. I know that that's not what it's you're even like, trying to It's just like, oh,
1: you know, interesting things happen when different groups of people are thrown together in weird circumstances. <laughs> one thing that I thought was actually very funny is that ginger, like the spice... Mm. is a a an incredibly addictive substance it's a drug for the aliens mm. and they like basically find this out accidentally and then a bunch of then, humans work together to sabotage the lizards by getting them addicted to ginger i bet it's the british no what has
0: india been good for, oh, except for god na- monopolizing the <laughs> drug trade Drug traffic to win geopolitics. The British Raj it's actually, starts cranking out ginger.
1: It's actually a group of um, Chinese folks that have been captured mm. by the lizards. But so they, like, established this drug trade to, like, take down the lizards. Um, so, like, that was actually pretty funny. Uh, at one point... Then a couple our- lizard
0: sailors are killed and they were brought in for murder. And then the, the, the lizards refused to let them go on trial in on Earth.
1: Mick, did you recently read a lot about the East India Trading Company?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, at one point we go to Berchtesgaden, hey, which is where we honeymooned. There. Yeah. Uh, it is the... Hitler's on vacation and we're like, ooh. Yeah, yeah basically. Um, the female Russian pilot spy uh, goes to bring some like Russian diplomats, including Molotov, uh, whose name I recognize because we recently watched the death of Stalin.
0: Also because the on-fire glass bottle.
1: Well, yeah, but like we also recently watched the death of Stalin. Yes. Um, she Molotov's brings Molotov and some him. other Russian diplomats and political figures to Bertusgaden to Ober to meet with Hitler. So I'm like, hey, we've been there. Kind of a weird place to honeymoon when you think about it um yeah if it wasn't fucking gorgeous oh no it's beautiful I just we I went for the hiking don't worry
0: i sometimes get a little bit uh uh defensive because there's one who admittedly asshole uh representative who went there and is like can't i love that i got to come here and i'm like oh we went there because it's gorgeous and it's full yeah, of it's, it's this, in the
1: bavarian alps yeah come on don't ruin this
0: for the rest of us
1: yeah um let's see no, okay. let's
0: talk more about our our uh, honeymoon and the birth of National Socialism.
1: Well, I, actually, I'm going to talk about uh, the mating patterns of humans on Earth. So, a pretty good transition hey, we from know our honeymoon. About that. Yeah. Um. So the the researchers on the alien ships that are like doing this experiment. <laughs> sorry,
0: I just realized what you said because I was cross talking at the time. I know. And that was very funny. Thank
1: you. I'm glad you finally realized it. Well, I'm sorry. Jeez. <laughs> Um, they talk about, they think one of the reasons that, like, Earth society, human society is so different is because of their mating patterns. They form families. They have really strong attachments to their spawn. Um, and so they don't think, they, like, they are starting to realize that Earth and humans might never be fully pacified like some of the other societies that they've taken over. Hell no. Um, so there's just, like... I don't know. At that point in the book, I was like, oh, I think we're starting to get closer to a climax. I bet things are going to start wrapping up soon. That's also what you thought on honeymoon. Oh, God. <laughs> you opened the can of worms. Come on. I really did. Um, I forgot to write a page number down for this, but there was uh, several paragraphs of Hitler being really anti-Semitic. Um, crazy how, how that happens.
0: Remember how I said it was a little bit of a good thing that my book uh, erred on the side of rewriting uh, attitudes at the time? Mine didn't. Well, to be fair, you probably would have a lot to say if Hitler was like, you know... I've learned something today. <laughs> yeah. I've learned that we can all get along.
1: Um, I'm probably maybe glad I didn't write down a page number for that, because I maybe wouldn't have wanted to read it, actually, when thinking about it. Did somebody,
0: like, just kick him in the balls? Like, shut the fuck
1: up. Um, I don't really remember. I was skimming pretty hard at that point. Uh. So we're almost 600 pages in. And, again probably 75% of the way through the book, I was like, oh, we're moving toward a climax. We've got to be close to wrapping up at this point. We were not. It just kept going pretty slowly, reiterating a lot of things that had already happened. We weren't really advancing the plot at all. We were just kind of stuck in the same circle. Book two, baby! You bet! World War Three. So our last paragraph is um, the the Swedish physicist... Who was at the University of Chicago. He went out to Washington, D.C., managed to escape Washington, D.C. before it was bombed, bicycled in the winter time across the greater United States Some to get back to Chicago. Shit right here. Um, he gets back to Chicago and Chicago has been evacuated because it's about to be taken over by the lizards. Um, and he yeah. realizes he'd come so far, been through so much, and now he has to get to Denver Denver, he said aloud, how the devil am I supposed to go to Denver? Like the war, his journey had a long way to go. And that's the end of what I learned in that moment was book one.
0: Yeah, oof it took that long oh no
1: well like i started to assume yeah. we were not gonna get things wrapped up But it
0: wasn't like they were gonna get sprayed with i don't know like dog piss mm-hmm. and then suddenly like start on fire
1: but forever. i do think so what had been set up towards the end i promised you i would come back to this what had been set up towards the end was that when it started to be fall like the lizards invaded in the late spring
0: baby yeah just and like, like so, the nazis
1: and so as it started to get closer to fall it was like you know, 60 degrees in Chicago, 65, and they were wearing, like, winter coats and they were freezing. And so the humans were starting to wonder, like, what's going to happen in the wintertime? Because so much of the fighting is happening in Germany, in Russia, in the United States, in the Northern Hemisphere. And so... I think that'll be I'm sure a big part of the second book of General they're going to winter baby. Yeah. That's
0: why you can't take on the Russians.
1: I know. Um there was no blurb for book 2. I did not look to see if it wrapped up in two books or if it winds up being a trilogy. God, I hope it's not a trilogy cuz I can't imagine how much that would that would gross. I hate it. Um but one thing that I do so want I, uh- Oh, it's a whole series. There's... No. There's eight. There's eight?
0: His tetralogy. Literary theme,
1: huh? The first series is made up of four volumes. Okay, what's the second series?
0: Uh, It must be the Cold War.
1: Oh, the uneasy piece, the colonization trilogy. So presumably the alien's Win and colonize Earth. And the final novel in the saga deals with humanity reaching the racist homeworld called Home. Ugh. Anyway, uh two other books that I do want to tell you a little bit about that Harry Turtledove, the master of alternate history, has written. Uh one is called How Few Remain. Are you paying attention to this or are you reading from the other book? Because I really need you to pay attention to this. Sorry, Morpheus. I was just in 1862 key confederate orders nearly fell into union hands but those orders were saved the rebels swept into pennsylvania smashed the army of the yes, potomac i
0: did not get you this one on purpose and
1: assured southern independence thank you a generation later america writhed once more in the throes of battle furious over the annexation of key mexican territory the u.s again declared war on the confederacy and in 1881 the fragile peace was shattered this new war was fought on a lawless frontier where the blue and gray battled not only each other, but the Apache, the outlaw, and even the red coat. Oh, For no. along with France, English, England it. entered the fray on the side of the south. Out of this tragic struggle emerged historic figures. A disgraced Abraham Lincoln crisscrossed the nation, championing socialist ideals. Hell yeah. Cocky Theodore Roosevelt bickered with George Custer. Confederate General Stonewall Jackson again soared to the heights of military genius while the North struggled to find a leader who could prove his equal. Fuck you. We got Sherman, you son of a bitch. Thanks to such journalists as Samuel Clemens, the nation witnessed the clash of human dreams and passions in this a second war between the states. I wonder if that one mentions black people at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yikes. Oof. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. You can find me on Twitter at mom, But I'm going to be lightheaded for a while
0: after that laugh Susan gave me. I I, I can't. Uh, Bibliovile's on Twitter as well.
1: Follow that one. Uh, the intro music to our podcast is Baby of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant, and join us in two weeks as we read The Ghoul King and She-Hulk.
0: I have to read She-Hulk. Uh, Before we go, I just want to say you're welcome for not making more lizard people running Chicago jokes. Oh, God. Good night.